0: scripture this morning is from Matthew chapter 28. Now, when the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning, Howard Brown, the, um, pastor here at Christ Central Church, and. Um, this is our last sermon in our Mission, um, mission of Christ Central Church sermon series. And um, this is the last part of it also, which is engaging the world, engaging the world with renewed dignity that comes from Christ, engaging the world, going out, making a difference. And since this is the last sermon in this series, let me go ahead and let you know, um, give you a preview that we're going to start a new sermon series for the summer. And, you know, summer can be a little in and out for me too. Um, Next week I'll be at a pastoral cohort that's going on, a group of pastors I know. um, We get together and and kind of hang out and pray for each other and share things. Um, That's next week. But um, when I come back, um, we'll start a sermon series uh, going through the summer, Um, and the title of it is, I'm asking for a friend and barriers to belief. And so this is how this is going to work, and I'm always nervous about doing these, um, but I think I'll take a chance. Um, and what I'm asking you to do is, as members, to kind of submit your anonymous questions that you or your friends have that may be barriers of belief for you. Um, and this series sort of kind of spins as a spinoff of this um, part of our sermon series on engaging the world around us. Now let me tell you, I am not the Bible answer man, and, and let me make something else clear there is not an answer or a direct answer for every question, okay? Um, And a lot of answers end with trust the Lord. Sorry, y'all. So I may be doing a lot of sermons on just trust the Lord. You're not God. He is. I I just blew the sermon series right there, didn't I? Because most of the time, it's probably going to end like that. You're human. He's God. He's more loving, merciful for you than you can be for yourself. The end. But... I think it would be good to kind of get some guidance for some of the questions that your friends have, right? <laughs> so um, what we're going to do is Aaron is going to eventually send out a link um, so it can be anonymous. Um, we're going to send out something to you, but I, I really need you to participate in order for it to work. or I'm just going to make up my own questions. Um, and again, though I won't be able to address or directly answer all, I hope to share what the Bible says for our curious issues of belief and unbelief so um, we'll that series should begin June 10th and go throughout the summer so uh, look for that look for that email link if you can't get the email link just you can you can email um, office at com if you don't mind just giving your question and we know you gave that question and we think man why did they ask that question no we don't do that but um, <clears throat> so if you want to do that now that, that's fine too So, as we turn to um, Matthew, uh, the sermon today uh, from Matthew, um, what if you had all authority in heaven and earth given to you? What would you do with it? In our passage today, Jesus appears to his followers, his 11 disciples, one fell off Judas, right? Right? Um, his disciples, he, he, he appears resurrected now, alive from the dead after dying on the cross, and he makes this claim and declaration to them and now to us in verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. If you didn't get it, that meant Jesus could do anything, anywhere, any way he chose to. And as God, the God-man, the Lord Jesus says, with that authority, I am going to reshape, I'm going to rescue, I'm going to redeem this whole world. That this age, as he says in the last verse, this, this time in the course of human history, I am committing my authority to sharing God's transforming love for and to a broken world, a broken humanity. Now, Jesus could have just blinked the world he wanted for us into existence, right? He could have just snapped his fingers and started over. In fact, he could have done with all that authority a million other things that would have been quicker and less painful for him. But he chose, because remember, he has all authority. He chose to do it through his followers, through believers calling, sending, and equipping them to engage this world through the making of disciples. It's Memorial Day weekend, so to help you remember this sermon, it's a little corny, but that's okay. Sometimes you need some corniness. Most of your snacks are corn, okay? They're corn-based, all right? So just, that's how you get the salt and sugar in your mouth. They put it on corn. Corn syrup, that's how you get stuff. So corn is good. So I'm just being very American and going corny with it. Now, the history is not corny, because on the morning of June 6th, back in 1944, during World War II, Allied forces staged an enormous assault on German positions on the beach of Normandy, France. The invasion is often known by the famous name D day right yet few people know the origin of the term or what if anything the d stood for most argue it was merely a redundancy that also meant day as in day day right i knew a day day in baltimore but th- <laughs> hey day day you remember day day anyway i don't think that's why his parents named him that i don't even know if, i don't think they named him that Okay, but others have proposed everything from it stands for departure, it stands for decision, it stands for doomsday. According, though, to the U.S. military, D-Day was an Army designation used to indicate the start date for specific field operations. In this case, the D and D-Day doesn't actually stand for anything. It's merely alliteration to create a placehold to use to designate a particular day on the calendar. So since it's Memorial Day, let me use it since the army didn't find a way to use it. I I get to use it, right? It's an empty term. And and, and, and so we think about D-Day in this way since the military again left it open on this Memorial Day weekend, that that day on that mountain in our passage was D-Day for Christianity. It was a day for departure. It was a day of decision. It was a day to escape the doom of sin. But truth be told, every day is a day of departure into this world. Every day should be a day of decision to trust or not trust Jesus. Every day is a day to escape the doom of sin. Every day is a D-day, a day made and given for making, here's where it gets corny, disciples. All right? Now, y'all can't forget it. Corn snacks, remember? Can't, Can't forget it. There are three things from this Great Commission and D Day of Christianity I want us to see. That first, Jesus is calling his followers to be pervasive in making disciples. Secondly, to be practical in making disciples. And finally, to be participants. And disciple making pervasive, practical, and participants. So Jesus comes back from the grave and being resurrected, he is, you know, being resurrected has really given him a new express confidence, right? Not not only in himself, but in what he can do. He left the Jewish teacher as a Jewish teacher and he came back to the as the world savior, right? Jesus was buried in a local Jewish grave and he came out global with his ministry. He says this now in verse 19 and 20 um, to the disciples. If I can get to the passage myself, my Bible moved. He says this in in verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the edge. In other words, he is calling for disciple making, follower of Jesus making and growing is discipleship to be, he's calling for that to be pervasive in not only its reach, but in its power. When Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations, he was saying not just the Jews anymore. See, when they first started following Jesus, he told his disciples, only go to Jews and maybe they thought that was Jesus that thought that Jesus was all about preaching local, right? Only, right? That, that's cool. Maybe he just wanted to be a Jewish ghetto superstar, selling gospel mixtapes out of the trunk, you know, kind of like the cool Herc of Galilee. But he uses the Greek term "ethnos" here in talking about the nations, and to add all in front of that word, he is saying that the gospel is the truth. For all people, everywhere, any tribe, any language, anyone. So, see, Jews, they, they, at that point, they believed that God's blessings of God's relationship with people were only for Jews and those who would culturally or ceremonially as well as spiritually become Jews. But Jesus saying that now all people could become believers and therefore be God's chosen people through belief in Him as Lord and Savior. So, He's telling them back there and us now, that regardless of who you are, where you have come from, or how or who or what you have worshipped in the past, that this is good news for you. That this is the gospel ministry of Jesus Christ for you. It, this is the truth for the world. It is the only spiritual truth the world should look to because Jesus' authority, his kingship, his lordship extends over anyone who was, is, or will ever be born on this earth. And he says heaven too. Right? So that means for you, in your head, nerds. I had to do this one for y'all because I know how y'all think. Y'all too smart for your own good. That means anyone on a spaceship out there, y'all, okay? Or, Or some planet, right? So when we begin populating planets or something, them too. I'm not on earth. Jesus didn't die for me. Yes, he did. He said, heaven, that's everything. It's everything. Or maybe you lost in space or out there on the prime directive or in some multiverse or, or in a or world earth or, or even in the womb, right? The term heaven covers it all and the gospel covers them all. What that means is the gospel is not confined or controlled or should be colored by any group of people. I think this is important because if people are here to turn gospel, a good news in this country, they automatically like, oh no, here it comes, Southern, Bible Belt, evangelicalism, in a, 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 trying to take me over. No, that is not what this is. Sure, the South in the Bible Belt has been affected by the gospel Jesus came, came brought, and brought to us, but remember where this started. It started with Palestinian Middle Easterners who obeyed well enough so Europeans could get it and Europeans and other nations could get it and then we came to America and that's how we got the Bible Belt. It wasn't the other way around. And that kind of history, that kind of thinking helps us recognize, right, that the Bible's truth is for everybody, even for those who are non-Palestinian Middle Easterners. Praise God. It's a little sobering, you know, that the Great Commission is not Americanism. It's God's truth for the world. So the Bible is saying, take it to them. Bring their God-given truth to them, for them. Here is the thing. To say, go to all nations, Jesus is saying the gospel is not only truth for all people, but powerful for all people. Look again at verse 19 with me. It says here, "Um, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It says baptizing them. The name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptism by water signifies, among some other things, that a person has been made a sanctified member of the people of God. To say baptizing is to say that God is going to and is able to cleanse and bring anyone and can cleanse and bring anyone from anything that would have stopped them from having relationship with God and other believers. What does this mean? that, that, That there is no history, no sin, no abuse no demonic activity, no language issue, no godlessness, no nationality, no racism or prejudice or resistance or doubt or fears or anything anyone could harbor or have or be shaped by that the authority and power of Jesus by the gospel can't overcome to make us not just convert to Christianity, but become committed continuing enduring followers and activists and disciples of Jesus Christ. And this should speak to the fears many of us have in believing and sharing the gospel. You know what believers, the Bible snitches on us, right? Cuz it tells us that among the nations, you Christians out here, we're among the worst. You were so far off from the truth, many of you in here who are so good now, right? You were the worst. You had all kinds of problems, and you still do. And you you come from families, and got messed up families still, And, and religious backgrounds of all kinds of messed up stuff, things that it would seem shameful or impossible for Jesus to claim and touch. But what's your story? The authority of Jesus came in and did something and continues to do stuff in your impossible life and impossible doubts. Let me say this. You you will and may hit the wall with others and yourself. And deal with what looks like impossibilities around people, right? Jesus, go into all the world, go to nations, tell them about me, tell them about your story. Oh, no, I know, I'm thinking it too. Do you know how many impossibilities people have? You know how many, uh, the exponential questions people have? You know how complicated people's lives are, Jesus? You know, they, they weren't very complicated back when you, you know, you were doing, we got the internet, we got TV, we got all kinds of stuff. Things have gotten more twisted since you, you know, went on up to heaven. Things are hard, Jesus he said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him so go we're going to hit that wall y'all we're going to face it in other people's lives and we're going to face it in ours because you would think they're too far gone people are too predisposed to, to this mistake or or this sin or or this thinking right this is modern times and, and there is this or, or or something else running and ruining their lives that has a death grip on them they ain't going to be able to let it go or let it let them go to free them to follow Jesus but the gospel the great Commission do you understand that it is a promise that nothing can stop Jesus from saving someone and changing the lives of someone nothing if he wants to them. So guess what? We are free to go and come forward to make and be made disciples and be disciples who live out their faith in the world, even though we are limited in our personal abilities. See, discipleship, sharing the good news, living the good news out loud, is less about your ability and more about Jesus's authority. So obedience is more important than being careful or self-protective. Look, I, I always look at it and say, "Hey, look, Jesus wants me to kind of just protect myself, right? Because, you know, I don't want to be ashamed. You know, I, I don't want to say anything. No, we're talking about, we're talking about being those." who are standing in the gap for people caught in the injustices and issues and brokenness of the world in our cities and communities and even foreign places, in places we have little or no personal ability, only a call and placement and passion to be there for them, to be there for the downtrodden and lost and broken, and even those who are confused spiritually, right, and emotionally. Some of y'all are going to be there tomorrow with family, and it's going to be sickening, right? They're going to start talking like they know stuff, and, you know, they're going to say some really evil, and, 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 and you know, you know if, if you're around a certain family, your family, all one ethnic group from one part of the country, they're going to say some stupid stuff. Everybody's family does. And you're gonna be like, that ain't the gospel, that ain't my story, that ain't hope, that ain't the story Jesus has hope for me in. You are gonna be in that place and your ability is gonna be limited because you're not gonna be the oldest one. You didn't bring the best thing to eat that day. It's not at your house, right? You can easily get in your car and leave. You're not stuck there, but God has put you in a place where possibly his authority can work to begin a conversation. Pastor Amari has a class right now on engaging the world and sharing your faith and understanding what it is to be in this world as someone who works and plays and how you use your leisure activity. And and our outreach team right now is really working on ways to help us learn, not only learn, but to see ourselves in that position where Jesus' authority can use us despite what we think is our limited ability. But with all the talk about discipleship, a word we don't use every day, what does it mean here to make disciples? Besides being pervasive in living out and sharing and sharing in the authority of Jesus. It, it means to be practical, y'all. And practical, because discipleship is a practice, right? that is also progressive. Lots of P's, man. I, I went crazy this week. P- practice that is progressive. I know when I heard the word practice, y'all thought of Alan I- Iverson. I'm talking about practice, man. That's not the game. Pra- y- y- y'all talk about practice, Right? Yes, practice. I, I looked the word practice up, and they, they told us, you know, if you're a pastor, it's really lazy to use a, a like encyclopedia. But, you know, encyclopedias, uh, definitions, and poetry, man, they can save you in a sermon. Anyway, let, let me, I looked up the word practice, and it says this. The actual application or use of an idea, belief, or method as opposed to theories about such application or use. To carry out or perform a particular activity, method, or custom, habitually or regularly. To perform an activity or exercise a skill repeatedly or rarely in order to improve or maintain one's proficiency. Hmm. So discipleship, when I looked it up, is being the coach or teacher of someone else. It's it's leading others and inviting others to the exercise and practice of faith. So this is not just understanding theology. Though studying the playbook and operations manual, the Bible is always centrally important. We'll come back to that. But discipleship is more than just knowing about God. Technically, it's the real-life application. Like, the real growth, right? Like, on you and in you. Teachings of Jesus living in you, of the gospel, of God's salvation happening and inside of you like the Lord is alive. Jesus says here, go baptizing them and being taught to do what? To observe all I commanded, he says here. And I looked up that word observe, not in, a, not in a dictionary, but in the Bible language, okay? The word observe is not like going to an observatory. All right? You know, I tell, try to tell people, be careful at Christ Central. You know, oh, y'all got that multi-ethnic thing going on? I got to go check this out, right? And it becomes Epcot Center. We just kind of ride in the boat. It's a small world after all. You just observe things now. I'm old. The last thing I went on at Epcot was it's a small world. I understand they have some different rides now, but anyway. <laughs> when did I go? 20, 25 years ago, I went, man. It is a small world, now it's bigger, and I'm missing. Okay, but th- this, is, this is not like going to an observatory and just looking, but it means observe like, observe a holiday, like y'all gonna do tomorrow, where, where you won't just reflect on Memorial Day, you will apply it to that day by, and I know for some people, you know, wait, you should really think about people who are veterans and serving and all that kind of stuff. But most of y'all are going to reflect by possibly doing a cookout if the monsoon don't get y'all Lamar, right? Do it inside, okay? And and, and, and taking some of y'all gonna actually take off work and maybe watch a parade. Or you might even pick up the phone and thank the veterans in your life for serving and remembering possibly a lost one who died. But there is an emotional, mental, and physical, and philosophical transformation of your life in observing. It's not just existential and metaphysical, but discipleship is teaching and leading and inviting people and then being led to observe. That means to apply and celebrate and live according to all Jesus commanded. And those commandments, I know, I I, straight thing, I go to like the 10 commandments and Jesus did bring those in to the New Testament. Oh, that was old. He brought it in, okay? But just so you know, When it says everything I commanded, if you look at the ministry of Jesus, it's more than do's and don'ts and one, two, threes and ABCs. Jesus made commandments about the hows and whys of what's going on in here too. Teach them how to not only know how to follow and obey me, yet yeah, the one, two, threes of wrong and right, and, 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 and the Ten Commandments, the moral law, yes, but also teaching them to observe their hearts, teaching them to know whether they're being authentic and real if the Holy Spirit is truly at work in their lives. But this guidance for our lives taught by Jesus is the word of God, right? It's in here. The story of God's salvation in the lives of real people like you and me. And some stories you'd be like, man, I- I'm glad I'm not like that. I'm a lot better than they are, right? Nah, not really, right? All kind of stuff God does here. And Jesus chosen to use teachers. L- let's call them, and I've, I've used this term before, player coaches right? But you in the game and you coaching the game, you know, to pass it on and instruct in it by taking people through an exercise or practices of faith. When situations or questions or decisions have to be made and figuring out how to do your job or leisure life or relationships or how to think about something or dealing with some kind of internal, external strife and pain and this and that, discipleship is learning and applying and then exercising grace and saving faith out in real life, in real situations. And all that you and I do, discipleship is about learning and being led to find God's comfort and direction, which means it is a lifelong progression of growth. Look back at verse 17 with me uh, and see what he says here. And when they saw him, that's the disciples, y'all, the 11, they worshiped him. Oh, Lord. But some doubted. Man, if some of y'all, if I was Jesus, I'd be like, man, who, who, for real, who got the hands raised up? I'm, I'm going to go with you. You know, you know, shirts and skins, if Jesus was a shirt, so I'm going with, yeah, you on the other team, right? Because what's wrong with you, man? I, I'm back from the dead, right? What's, 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 what's the matter with you? And, and, but we'll come back to this, but, but some worship. And others, disciples of followers, those same ones who will be used with great power by Jesus to carry out the Great Commission at that point in their faith and life, doubted. They weren't ready, y'all. They weren't there yet. Maybe someone was struggling. I've heard, I heard this guy say, yeah, you know what's going to happen in the finals, in the NBA finals. Uh, and I heard somebody say, yeah, uh, Chris Paul, he, he going to disappear, Right? You ever heard somebody say, they're gonna disappear? What's that mean? They're not gonna be able to step their game up, their game up when things get tough. Some of the disciples were disappearing, y'all. Right? They, they, they weren't able to step up the game. The, the Jesus showed up, he rose from the grave, he talked about having all authority, and they're like, uh-oh, I, I could go this far, Lord. I I I can't go there, right? In fact, I already went back to fishing. Now you're coming up, you mess up. They just hired me at the fish company. I got a good government job. And you coming and talking about following you, going to the upper room, hanging out with the Holy Spirit, hanging out with these losers? No! And then you say, you're going to ascend in heaven and leave us? No, nah, I'm going back to a job, man. I need a J-O-B job, right? And it ain't following you that they were struggling. Maybe, again, some were struggling with seeing Jesus alive. Maybe some didn't agree with or struggle with the letting non-Jews into the club. Maybe they didn't think he was God all the way. But Jesus says this in the last verse, right? I am with you to the end of this age. That means discipleship, as Jesus is showing, is an ongoing life process for those who ain't there yet. Discipleship is more than just conversion. Oh, I got saved. I, I, I used my track and, and led somebody to the Lord. Woohoo! That's good, y'all. That's a good start. The game has started. Awesome. they on your team. Oh, great. But it's about more than just getting people saved. This is about what Jesus is showing. Because even at the end of walking with Him for three years, some are still doubting. So this is about perse- perse- per- persevering and growing in the faith and growing to know and express the love. In Christ. So using Jesus' own three-year time with His disciples, this is about walking with someone or others on the path of or towards eternal life. Let me put it this way. in the stretch, y'all, an exercise of being a lifelong follower of Jesus. Discipleship is about a commitment to conversion, convincing, comforting, and caring all over and over again. Making disciples is about teaching, and using, and giving yourself, and taking, leading others to stuff like prayer, and and sacraments. I took the Lord's Supper today, you know, and and, and, and somebody you know and trust, like, hey, do do you really know what that means? Or was it just sort of a snack? You know, well, not because you're trying to, you know, confront them and the people are like, why are you judging me? I know how that goes, right? No, this is about, I, I want you to get something out of this, Right? There's so much more for you, so, so leading people in the sacraments and community group stuff and Bible studies and just mentoring someone by being th- by them being around you in your life. It's about using and being used and who and where we are, whether it's friendship or parenting. Some of you are discipling your kids, and, and, and you should be, and, and brothering or sistering, right, to disciple each other. Uh, Uh, pouring your life, exhibiting your life for the gospel growth of someone else to walking with people as Jesus did in promises to the end of the age or the end of their lives. This is about people practically being walked with and challenged and comforted and encouraged. So let me ask this, do you have this or are you involved in this? You you have to be in both sides of this formula in, in, in the Great Commission because this is how Jesus is exercising his authority over his people. So who's your authority if you don't have this? By whose authority are you living and growing your Christianity, right? Who, who are you walking with and leading personally or in a group of some sort with in, in the week, weekday too, right? Texting and calling and possibly Instagramming. How can it be that we claim to have this Jesus, the one with all authority as Lord, and, and we follow or sit in church and in our homes and, and lunch alone over and over again? We've been coming to these worship services, and nobody ever come with us for years. Not that the, you gotta bring them here all the time. Sometimes, will, are you afraid or ashamed of Christ Central Church? We've had these kind of candid discussions. Y'all want me to be candid today? Uh-uh. Come on, somebody. I'm going, going. It's okay. Where you know it's good for you, but you're afraid your friends might see when you go to church. or or something? I don't know. Like, if, if, if that's the problem, please go to another church. Why? Not because I'm mad. Go to another church so you can carry out the Great Commission. If you can't do the work of discipleship here, by all means, be obedient to God somewhere. Right? Like, if we ain't the cup of tea for you to be able to grow and disciple people and bring people and even be encouraged to reach people, then you know, maybe 300 of y'all leave and God shut it down because we ain't doing what we supposed to do to disciple. All right, I'll go get a J-O-B somewhere, right? I've been wanting to be a professional fisherman. Remember I talked to you about that? I, have, I want the shirt with the tags on it and the bass boat. Anyway. <laughs> I've been watching the bass shows, y'all. The fishing shows, and they had a show. They had the black professional fisherman show. I'm like, that's me. (laughs) Because as soon as I become a professional, then I'll automatically start catching more fish. I know that's the problem. I'm not catching as many fish because I'm not a pro. Because as soon as you're a pro on them shows, they're always pulling them up. That's the problem. I need a better bass boat, another more expensive. No. Okay, so... Okay, I'm trying to relieve some of the tension here. (laughs) But as your pastor along with the leadership, I'm called to equip you for making disciples. Sometimes, you know, it it gets a little too um, philosophical in these sermons. (laughs) So let me tell you, if you need some equipping that you feel is missing, let me use this word, respectfully let us know. And respectfully means respect yourself, right, by not being a jerk about it or, you know, the problem with y'all is and blah, blah, blah. No, we're not going for that. No, no, we don't have people do that. But if you do, that's disrespectful, right? But respectfully submit what you think is missing for you to do the Great Commission. Now, it may the end of it may be, you know what? You just need to submit to the way we got going on or maybe, the end of it maybe, there's some great churches in Charlotte that other churches you can go to, right? Dog. It, it, look, I'm looking at this, and I'm like, we got to be obedient to this, y'all. I'm not trying to say don't go to a church. I'm saying if you add a church, you got to be about the Great Commission, Right? You have to be in discipleship or making disciples. And some of you are leading classes here and doing things. You're involved in various ways. That's great. I mean, is there something I'm missing? Yeah, I, I want you to respectfully let me know. And some people have told me, I, I, is, is there something in the preaching here? Is it too long? Yeah, I think it's too long sometimes. And I've been talking to some pastor friends of mine and they're dealing with the same thing. Like, I don't understand. I went to seminary. I'm supposed to preach for 45, 50 minutes and, and people need to go. Nah, no, not necessarily, right? Especially if you just ain't—you just can't hold the attention that long, right? You, you face, some of us boring. You know, we, we, we just ain't got that. That's all right. God can use you short, because if you go long, you're boring. That ain't your gift to go long, right? you good for 20 minutes. Some of us are long-distance runners, some of us are sprinters, right? Some of us got to run, then we're tired, we got to sit on the bench, that's all right. But if that's happening, is it too difficult? And I've been working on this. Is it too complicated? Not enough application? Pastor, you, you, you preaching over my head. I ain't bringing my friend because if I can't get you. And some, somebody told me, you just talk too fast. All right, I'll try slowing down. But if I slow down, it's going to be longer. <laughs> I can work with that. Yes, I have a pre-Madonna complex. Everybody does. No, they don't. <laughs> Not other people beside us. No, I'm sorry. But um, no, I, I guess what I'm saying is everybody wants to be respected. And when they do their thing, they want people to like them, all that kind of stuff. Look, I can work with this, y'all. All there's something you're missing. Like, do we need more Bible studies? Do you see a need for community groups? Is there something outreach that we're missing? But, but this just coming in for yourself, complaining and clamoring for yourself as if we are the authority, like this is about you getting yours? Jesus didn't say get yours. You know, like... like <laughs> Jesus didn't say, hey, I- I'm doing me, you do you. Right, he he didn't say that. He says, "Y'all be about others. Go get them." Right, week after week, not inviting or bringing in of you, and not inviting brain talking about others, not talking about other, talking to others about your story of belief and faith, is disobedience. Like it's contrary to your faith. It's shaming of the Lord. Something is dysfunctional. If you are not engaging people in your sphere of influence. Right? Either giving yourself to it or giving yourself for it, right? And 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 past Pastor Derek and I, we've been talking, should we you know look at we were looking at the budget for this year, because it starts over with July one or June 1 or something like that. July one? Okay, and so we've been putting a budget. I'm like, we need a big ad campaign. We need to get a sign on the side of a bus or something, or my face, your face, because we got to have the black and white thing. And then we, we put it on the blimp at the Bank of America 600 or something, or we get the pace car. You got some connections. And on the pace car, it says, Christ Central Church, we're going real fast for Jesus, or something like that. We're setting the pace for Christianity in Charlotte. Something like that, you know. But we were like, no. Right? Yes, we can do some advertisement so people know, but here is it this is not about this is about making disciples, not getting a bigger audience. I hate saying that cuz I want a bigger audience sometimes. <laughs> This this is about a bigger group of disciples. Sure, I don't mind a bigger group of disciples, but just being mega church and not being pervasively and practically growing people in Jesus, no, that is not what Jesus is calling for. And we're not going to do it right now. We'd rather stay smaller and not be as outwardly successful as other big churches if it means we're doing the work of discipleship. As a believer, it is our call to be made to to be consciously and actively pouring our lives. And at Christ Central Church, I I think I need to make this a serious point in our new members class going forward. Look, because we used to just be about 28205 in the beginning, but now we regional, right? Discipleship, to do discipleship, you got to go, all right, at Christ Central because you're a diverse community. That means I-77, I-85, and 485. What? To, be, to do discipleship in this church, you're going to have to travel because we don't live in the same place. Charlotte's segregated. I'm sorry. So in a church like ours, when you come, discipleship might require exactly what Jesus says, go on I-77, right? Right? for 30, 40 minutes. Charlotte been wanting to be Atlanta since I first got here 15 years ago. You're Atlanta now. I've lived in Atlanta. Anytime you got to go anywhere, it takes you 45 minutes. You're Atlanta. Yay, Charlotte. I recently started a little Bible study with some guys. It's a Zoom Bible study, like online, virtual. We we might have to do some of that, y'all. Be creative, find ways to get together. And let me say this: sometimes discipleship is about spending valuable time with people who doubt and don't believe in Jesus or the Christianity or church or Bible stuff yet. I didn't, Jesus didn't say make disciples of people who are believers. It didn't say that. It said, make disciples of all nations. And in the mind of those Jews, when he said all nations, he's thinking, make disciples of all them pagans, them crazy folk, right? Those folk who hate you, Jesus, yeah, the ones who put me up on the cross, go to them, right? And and so, so there's a call. Discipleship means also being around people, being around your friends, being in places. I was talking to uh, the pastor at Hope, Mark Upton, and he goes, I'm like, where do y'all hang out? Because we were having a conversation about the barbershop, how for, for for black men, the barbershop used to be the place. You go in there. You always got two or three guys. They never get in a haircut, but they standing around all day. What are you doing? They playing checkers or something. Like, it used to be the place to hang out. And before, there was a phone where you could get... Man, I am going too long today. But, but before there was a phone where you could put your, um, you know, appointment in. You used to go there, pick up a number, and if you got there past 10 or 11, you were in there three hours get, waiting to get a haircut, right? Because there is only two guys out of five you want touching your head. And everybody wants those same guys. And the old guy, nobody wanted him to cut his hair. You know, granddaddy might go to the old guy because they know each other. And he's just sitting down, reading newspaper, saying things, talking. Y'all seen the movie Barbershop. That used to be the place. Mark tells me that right now the place to hang out is the yoga place, P90X place, the workout cross-training places for his people. And all that. And and can't, can't this. Kelly was like, so if you're fat or out of shape, you can't get discipled at home? No, I don't think that's true. Because you could be like the guy at the barbershop who ain't getting no haircut. You could just be standing around in the exercise clothes. Hey, what's going on? Stomach hanging out. Hey, what's going on? You're doing nice over there, but whatever. I guess my point is, I don't know what my point is now, but... And, we, and then, of course, he threw in their breweries. So I said, hey, the fat guys like me, they show up at the eateries, right? The, 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 the brewery. I, after y'all finish your workout, I'll see you at the beer brewery, right? I'll meet you there. Because discipleship is about hanging with folk who don't know the Lord. Being a constant. Being that guy in a barbershop who ain't getting a haircut but always talking. Right? Uh, it, 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 it's finding your spot in your place to, 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 to bring people along in the way God has given you the ability to do so. I don't know where that is. Where are you at? Where's that spot? Is this happening in our lives? Not this might help in his great commission. Jesus is with authority calling us to be participants in discipleship, which means we are personally convinced about our need for spiritual community. It says some worship and some doubted as Jesus was about. I'm gonna try to stick to this, y'all, so we can get to the end today. It says some worship and some doubted as Jesus was about to give the great commission to make disciples, and so it makes sense that when it says to go making disciples, that term it flips in the in the language. It's two sided. It means go make disciples of others as you are a disciple being made yourself. This great commission was just as much for the followers of Jesus as for those whom they would reach. Careful, because I know sometimes in some organizations and stuff, you the discipler now. (laughs) No, a discipler is never not a disciple. You see, discipleship is about being personally convinced and convicted of your own need for that same authority and baptism, power, and practicing and practicality of faith in your own life. Maybe that's why Jesus ended the verse 20 with, I am always with you. You're going to need it. I am with you in every way, all the time, in every place to do those, to, to, to those who are called to make disciples, to be his disciple in some way. You know, the biggest barrier to making disciples is that as followers fail to believe the love and presence and power and authority of Jesus in their own lives. four so-called believers and Christian witnesses and leaders. Oh, y'all, some great leaders. In your families, you the Christian one, right? You're the Christian at work or even you're the church leader, elder, deacon, woman shepherd, pastoral staff, Bible study, and community group leader. Me too. Who sees, who sees, let me ask you this question. Who sees when you doubt? Who is there when you doubt? Not when you worshiping. Thank you, God. But when you, mm -mm, right? Who is there to check you in prayer and word and sacrament and walking you along progressively, father or mother or older sister or older brother or church leader? Now, Now watch this thing. Discipleship and making disciples becomes as much about how you respond to your life and people seeing that. Watching what you do. That teaches and instructs them on how to live. But get this, they should also sometimes see us doubt and struggle and have a hard time. Christianity is not a show, y'all, it's walking with Christ. The other day on one of the oh, I got so many group pages, somebody was saying, hey, you know, and talking about Morgan Freeman and, you know, the eight women accusing him of, of, of sexual assault and this and that. And we started talking about it. And someone was like, hey, you know, maybe maybe we should just use this and should we be free to confess our sins to each other on this forum? And I was like, I don't know about that. But anyway, anyway. And I said this statement, you know what, I should just confess my sins to everybody on here, so y'all can all feel better about yourselves going into the Memorial Day weekend, right? Because, and, and I think there's some truth about discipling and sharing your brokenness and people watching how you lean into Christ's goodness and sufficiency. Have people ever seen you just carried by Jesus? Remember, this is about him. This is not about you looking good. This is about your life testifying to how gracious and merciful God is. Somebody saw somebody worship and somebody doubt. See, discipleship is being a disciple. It's you following Christ and someone else seeing you practically do it. Look, if repentance isn't a normal part of your life, if you can't, like, you should be able to at least put, let me throw this down, okay, 10 commandments, you, you should at least be able to put down 10 sins on a paper, right? This is what I struggle with, Lord. This is where I'm stuck, right? You, you should have something to confess to Jesus. Like, if your heart is unchecked and you're not living a life of repentance, right, and struggle, Are you a disciple of Christ? Right? Like, something's not right about that. Okay, I'm going to be careful with this. But his very presence, like if he's real, it elicits two responses when he's truly around. Worship and doubt. And if you don't have both in some way, not that the doubt isn't transformed by discipleship, if you don't have both, is Jesus really there? If you're only good when he's around or when he comes in your life and there's never anything he sees or finds or anything you need to improve on, like not little stuff, oh, I struggle with pride. Great. What's that look like in your life? Because I was looking at some worship and some doubt. Does that mean that some had the hands up and there were some like, "Mm -mm." mm-mm? Something obvious was going on. It wasn't in their heads. What do you struggle with? Who sees you? Which brings me to this last point. I'm going to have to skip a lot, y'all, because we got to go home today. But (laughs) did the game come on today? Anyway. Which means discipleship, the command, uh, the call to make disciples is never a personal thing. No one disciples who lives a life of following Jesus on their own how they want to. It is always with others. Which means this. When Jesus said, go make disciples. Y'all, this is how the disciples heard it. If you look at the book of Acts. Go make a church. Go be. The church. It's funny; they became, they created churches, communities where people were committed around prayer and hearing the word, and sacraments and fellowship, stuff like like we you see it kind of in our stuff, like community groups and Bible studies, and we do the sacraments every week, and and and, and you see they they created an institution and community that would equip and keep discipleship going. I think at Christ Central Church, it's been hard to see how we are making disciples. And this is the last sermon on our mission series. Maybe we should pull back and see it. Would we just focus on freeing people to enjoy God, hear His truth, grow in diverse community, engage the world with the renewed dignity that comes from Christ. You are making and being disciples at this church if through our ministries you are enjoying God and learning how to do that. Hearing his truth, growing in diverse community and engaging the world through Christ. Where are you? What you doing? I made a joke about Alan Iverson saying incredulously, right, practice. We're not talking about the game, man. we talk about practice. Discipleship is a practice. Only because when Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, having suffered humiliation, struggled with the idea of being separated from his father by sin, mistreated, walking with and leading, doubting followers, died on the cross for our sins and resurrecting as the greatest disciple that ever lived. Died and rose again. Our discipleship is practice and it's D Day because Jesus already won for us. Discipleship is going to believe and live in that truth and sharing that with others that all authority has been given to this Lord, to the one who is a lover of our souls, to our Redeemer. And he is sharing his grace to us and for us to in turn make sure others are getting, to in turn make sure we're sharing it with others. This is God's D-Day for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that there are many of us sitting here because someone sat with us. Someone wouldn't give up on us. We were running. We doubted. We didn't care. We were young, teenagers. We didn't want to do nothing. But mama, daddy, grandmama, Mr. So-and-so, Miss So-and-so, aunt, stayed with us, called us, came and picked us up for church, made us go, you know, wouldn't let us go. Lord, Lord, thank you for that testimony of discipleship that every single person is here because someone taught them or told them, or brought them. Every single person here. Lord, I pray that you would use these people who've been drawn by your Holy Spirit. Drawn and discipled to be discipled and make disciples. Help us, Lord, it can be very hard, it can be very discouraging, people walk away, things don't work out right, there's struggles. But Lord some of us individually, some of us as families, some of us as couples are all alone. We need another couple. We need another family. We need each other. Help us to find that in this congregation. But Lord, I ask that you would also just turn our lives outwardly. Help us to just be the hang out people who are there talking to the same people over and over about the same thing in different and creative ways. Look who God is. Look what God has done. Listen to the potential redemption of your soul. Use this church in that way. Let us be the advertisements and campaign of the gospel and how we live. This we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.